welcome to the Let's Decode Stigma podcast. My school was like triple his. I think in the end we worked it out. I'd kiss like over 50 people with tongues in like under three minutes. Which, when you think about it, is pretty disgusting. And I'm not surprised I've got glandular fever. In advance, but, you know, it's your fault because you took wrong one bit. I'm sorry I blocked you. It's just because I was obsessed with your profile at the time. I was quite concerned that I was actually going to be traded in for a camel. Like, I think he would have picked the camel over me at this point. In Norfolk, that... I just deleted it straight away. I was like, this is depressing. I cannot stay here if this is my dating life. Hello, and welcome to Let's Decode Stigma podcast. Today, I have my big sister here with me, and it's mainly going to be focused around mental health and the stigmas to do with that. But obviously, I like to get to know people through their dating and relationship anecdotes. So, Pamela, can you please give us a glimpse into your relationship, dating, something, just a little bit to get to know you? Um, yeah, sure. Uh, so, I guess it took me a while to think of something, because uh, I've been in a relationship, so I haven't been in a, a, on a date for about seven years, which feels weird to say. Um, but I think when I was at university, the date that stands out the most to me was, um, I, well, I didn't know I was on a date, which was probably um, the thing that stands out. So, I'd arranged to meet a friend for a drink, hadn't really thought anything of it, just meeting this friend. Um, and we, he suggested this bar that I'd not been to before. And when I got there, it was, it was quite a fancy bar, not your typical student pub that was a bit grubby. And they were doing these really nice cocktails. And I thought, oh, this is a nice night this out. friend from uni? Friend from awesome uni. Awesome student. Yeah. Right, okay, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I'd, I'd met him, like, just like in a couple of nightclubs. Didn't do the same course as me, but we'd got become friends. And um, as we're sitting down drinking, he bought the drinks, and I thought, oh, this, he's buying the first round, I'll get the next one. Um, we're chatting away, and suddenly he says, so why did you decide to go on a date with me? And I just had this moment of panic, of like, oh my god, I'm on a date. Did you fancy him at all? I'd never even thought about him like that. Oh. <laughs> and so I just had to kind of like make up on the spot, this kind of like, oh, well, you know, it's always great to try new opportunities, and... You make something up. Oh, you didn't. <laughs> you went with it. Yeah. Around and say, uh, what? No. Is this a day? I just. When he asked you to go for a drink, how did he do it? Did he say, do you want to go for a drink with me, or was it like? Well, looking back, yeah, I think he probably did say, do you want to go for a drink with me, and I just didn't even. And you said, yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, sure. Oh, you're so cute. And nice. <laughs> <laughs> we went on three dates. Anyone sends me that <laughs> message now, I'm like. It depends on what you want from this. Yeah. I'll come for a drink with you. I'll happily go for a drink, but not in that way. You went on three dates. Three dates. So it wasn't the worst decision. No, I mean, I had a really nice night, but... Interesting. So sometimes it's all right. Yeah. You should just go with things. Just go with it. See what happens. I would like to know whether he realised in the moment that I was then in my head going, we're on a date. Like, did my face and that. Obviously, <laughs> after, on the third date, probably, I'd have got comfortable. I'd had too many to drink, and I'd be like... Did you know, right? I was didn't even think the first day was the first day, and look where we are now. Probably would have been better if you'd have actually like stayed together. Yeah, it's been a good story. Broken it to him. Yeah. How I never actually meant to date you. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Um, so that's a little bit about you. And then, so in terms of mental health, the reason I've got you here is obviously because you are a professional in the industry. So do you want to talk 
a fair little bit about what you do. I know people always call you a psychologist, which pisses you off. <laughs> um, so do you want to give everyone a little glimpse of actually what you do and what your what your title is? Yeah, explain this to everybody we know. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm a cognitive behavioural psychotherapist. Um, I've got nothing against psychologists. I think they're great. I'm just not one. Um, <laughs> just to get that in yeah. there. Um, so I've, uh, background-wise, I've got a psychology degree, so that's where the psychologist comes from. And then I have trained in um, cognitive behavioural therapy, so I generally work with adults um, who are experiencing any form of anxiety or depression um, to help them overcome that. And why did you decide to go into mental health? Um, so I've always had an interest in psychology, even in school. I kind of did A-levels and I did work experience um, with a psychologist. So I've always had that interest in humans and how we think and what we do. Um, and then from my own experience, I had um, CBT when I was at university and, and it completely changed my life. I had a lot of anxiety and it made it just 10 times better. And so I thought I'd like to share this with other people and help them have that experience. And there's quite a lot of training that goes into anything within psychology. Like if you've got a degree, there's like you. I mean, you've done like what you're on your second masters, and it probably won't be the end there, will it? No. So yeah. So everybody has to do um, their undergraduate. They have to then do, depending on which route you go down, you do a masters in research, or you do it in other therapy, and then you do even more training so you'd like my I'm doing a postgraduate diploma you might do a PhD and then you just keep gaining therapy trainings as you go throughout your career so it's a career where you literally have to be in education reserve your whole life essentially yeah not for me mm. um so <laughs> you touched in on a little bit on about how you went through CBT and how it changed your life so do you want to talk a little bit about your experience with mental health because I feel like it's such a thing that we don't really talk about mm -hmm. and for me when I remember when you first told everyone at home that obviously you had like these issues and stuff I remember being like don't really understand it because I guess growing up we never really those labels were never really part of life I don't know I'd never yeah. really heard of depression or anxiety like we've heard of depression but only like really extreme cases and then and anxiety I didn't really I didn't really get it, so I feel like when you first obviously told everyone at home, we were all a bit like, what? Which is a bit ironic, because at the same time, I was also going through a mental health mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. But obviously, at the time, I didn't also appreciate that either. So, yeah, so what was it like, firstly, telling everyone? Because obviously, like, people do judge and stuff. Yeah. How did you find that whole thing? Yeah, I think it was, it was difficult as well, because, as like you said, we don't, we hadn't really had any experience before. I guess we're a family who doesn't really, we don't do emotions generally. Um, and, and we don't really have anyone who experiences or not openly experiences that. So I didn't really know what was happening to begin with either. I just knew that I felt horrible. Um, and then I kept thinking, oh, it'll go away. It'll go away. I don't know what it is. It's probably, and I guess attributing, I've been to uni, I'm just adjusting all of that. Um, and then finally, um, I, I did tell mum actually I said to mum that I was feeling angry quite a lot and I didn't know why and she said go and see a doctor which um, as you will know mum saying go and see a doctor <laughs> is very weird so I was like oh you know it's bad when mum tells you to go see a doctor yeah yeah sure. um, so I went to the doctor and, and they got me to fill out a questionnaire and said you're depressed and you're anxious and I was a bit like am I is that what this is 
Um, but kind of then read about it. Thought, yeah, that does explain what I'm experiencing. Um, but it, it was scary having to tell people, I think, because it's just this thing that I didn't really know anything about. So I didn't really feel like I had anything, couldn't explain it either. I was just like, this is happening yeah, to could, me. Could you pinpoint, like, even that, well, now maybe you might be able to, but at the time, could you understand, like, what had triggered you, in a sense, to that way? I guess not really. It felt like it kicked off the first summer after university, and I, I almost think it's that like I'd, I'd gone off and, and done my own thing and then I'd come back home where things were different and, and I think I just it was just really overwhelming yeah and then that just triggered everything else from there um but I hadn't really put the connection together until I had therapy and they then yeah broke it down what did I say to you like when I had therapy what did I say you're mind wizards that just make me cry or something yeah and because you go in with a thought or an idea and what you think is the issue and then you guys prod and you ask questions with the like training you've done yeah and actually you they take you down this garden path that you would have never opened the gate to and then all of a sudden you're like oh actually that's why i'm feeling like this yeah was it a bit like that you had one of them moments when you were like ah yeah Yeah. well that makes sense actually yeah and there were some things that in therapy that i'd never even trig like had worked out they were connected together like um our parents being ill I remember my therapist asking a lot about how I felt as a child about that happening and Miki going it was fine it's just life yeah because everyone in our lives just out of a bit of context they were all very severely sick within about a year weren't they yeah so it was like and as a child like you didn't really understand it or process or it or process yeah. it but it was like a I don't know who was first but like mum was really sick and then dad was really sick yeah and it just kind of happened and then, it, like Pam said, like our family doesn't really do emotions or just talk about it. So it, kind of, life. it happened, and then it was done. Like it was almost like, and I broke my arm in the same year. It was almost like their illnesses were on the same par as my arm. Because mm-hmm. obviously, I broke my arm, had surgery, it healed. I went back horse riding, done. Yeah. Like that is, but that's broken arm. But it was the yeah. same, wasn't it, for them, essentially? Um. So I guess yeah. It, I hadn't, yeah, even thought about it. And then she, I can remember her kept prodding, just like you said. She kept asking, and I kept thinking, why is she asking me that? Yeah. Why is she asking me that? It was a stupid question. And I eventually answered it honestly, and she just kind of looked at like, what we'd been drawing out in our therapy room, and I was just like, oh, oh, that's all connected, right? Yes, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like, it's so clever. And like, do you have those moments? So I guess it's kind of weird now, being the person that asks those questions. Yeah. Like, and having people have that light bulb moment. Yeah. But how do you know what questions to ask? Um, I guess a lot of it is a sense of how people present in the room. Like, if someone really doesn't want to answer a question, you think, oh, there's probably a bit more to that. We might need to come back to that at some point. Um, and, yeah, just, and then things that people tend to brush off, I always think, that doesn't sound like something we should be brushing off. That sounds like quite a lot. Yeah, I suppose, because, yeah, when I had it, he kept going back to the same questions. Yeah. And I'd be like, right, leave this area alone now. I don't want to cry today. Yeah. And then he'd keep going, and obviously then the floodgates would open. And so I guess then as well, because you know the questions to ask now, because obviously we were talking yesterday about how, like, mental health is more like, it's a journey. It's not really like a, you have therapy and you're cured. Mm-hmm. It's not yeah. like you're, if you've got, like, breast cancer, for example, you can have all the treatment, you have all the chemo, and then you become clear and you probably won't have it again. Type thing. Yeah. Whereas with like mental health, 
you can go through all them stages, having therapy and think you're better, mm-hmm. and then you can like sink back into it. So for you now, do you think that you can ask yourself the right questions? Yeah, I think so. Because you've had the training. Yeah, it certainly helped. And, and even not just the training, I think because I've had therapy a few times, I've started to get used to the way I was asked questions and almost am able to like, I've got questions written down that I know help me to reflect on things. Have you got like an example? Um, you don't have to share like details obviously of yours, but like just like a general. Yeah, I guess thinking about, so I guess now that I've had therapy a few times, we, um, in therapy, depending on, on the therapy that you have, so because I do CBT, that's what I tend to use on myself, um, we have like a formulation where it's drawn out, and what we find is it's always the same underlying processes that are going on, so when I'm stressed or anxious, it's generally because I've got very high expectations of myself, um, or I'm worried about being rejected in some way, so on the surface, it might not look like that situation, but if I ask myself, can I link it to those things, it normally, I can. And then you can be a bit more like rational, I guess, with the yeah, thought you can process. step away from it a little bit and think, actually, it's not about this specific thought, it's about my overall and feelings. So that, thinking about that, do you think then that maybe, because obviously mental health is such a stigma, and we go to school and we do physical education, mm-hmm. and everyone has to do physical education from when they're five to when they're 16, and I mean, yeah, that's great. Everyone needs to look after their health and everything. But do you not think maybe then we should also have like, like almost like a mental health class? Not like obviously like direct. We're not asking people to like disclose that, but like training people to look after things to like get the mindfulness. And we both know I'm not a meditation person. Like I can't sit still. Me talking about this actually a bit ironic because I cannot sit still to save my life. Every time <laughs> I do Pamela's yoga class, like we do the mindful bit, and I'm like, yeah, I'm done now. Thanks. But do you not think that maybe then if we programmed that in kids at school, yeah, then that would like because you know like when you have tutor time in the morning or whatever, if they had like a mindfulness five minutes, even that would like yeah train kids. Absolutely, I think we should definitely be having classes. And I remember thinking in my first lot of therapy, I had a moment where we often talk about how our thoughts aren't factual, that they're just thoughts, yeah. and that was a. Com- like that just blew my mind at like 19 that everything I thought about myself wasn't necessarily true and I thought why has no one told me this before why didn't we have a lesson at school that said by the way you think a lot you don't have to believe all of it yeah it's so true because they do teach us a lot of stuff at school and you think why have I learned this yeah and actually I don't learn stuff like I mean I hate rounders but why am I playing rounders what does that benefit to my life past yeah I've never played rounders since GCCTE I never will, but actually if I just spend time doing like things like that, learning that you have these thoughts, that would have benefited me later in life. Yeah. And especially now, because I think mental health is more of an issue now. Maybe it's just because we've got labels for things and do you know what I mean? Like back in the day, people probably obviously did have these conditions, but now we like we have labels and we have processes to help people with them. Yeah. So people are more aware of it. Um, and also, like, the impact of social media and stuff. Kids nowadays will probably have worse mental health than... Because obviously you've got the whole comparison and imposter yeah. syndrome. But, like, and you get that because you you literally can see into the whole world 24-7 and it's not just your little village like it used to be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, like, that sort of thing would, like, obviously really benefit 
Yeah, so I think they're going to have to work harder to look after their mental health with all of that going on. So just train them while they're young. Yeah. And talking about, so talking about things where you don't realise that other people do it. Yeah. So Pamela sent me this questionnaire the other day. She texted me and said, can I send you a questionnaire for work? And I said, yeah, of course, whatever. And she said, oh, just to let you know, there's quite a lot of sex questions in it. And I was like, yeah, fine, whatever. And I'm not obviously one of these people that's not like open about it. I was like, cool, fine, send it over. And then the first question was, when having sex with someone, do you ever think about anyone else? Something yeah. along those lines, yeah. doesn't it? And I was like, that's a funny question. Why does she need that for therapy? But I was like, mm, yeah, sometimes. And you also sent this to your boyfriend, didn't you? I did, yeah. Which is a bit awkward. Uh, but, you know, I needed help. <laughs> and was he honest in the answer? He was. He did say, oh, this is really uncomfortable answering this in front of you. And I said, yeah, but I'm trying to help people, so answer truthfully. So you better not throw it back at him later on. No, I it wouldn't be allowed. Because I then had the conversation with the guy I was seeing, and he went, no, of course I don't do that. Do you do that? And I was like, yeah, everyone does that. My sister said so. But, like... You did it so that the person that you were like treating knows that other people yeah. also do it. And I think that's the sort of thing that like, obviously you'd never talk about. Because imagine sat down with your partner going, oh, by the way, when we're sleeping together, sometimes so-and-so pops into my head. Yeah. Because then the guy I was seeing was like, well, is it always the same person? I was like, not always. Is it, the people, is it the people you know? I was like, sometimes. Sometimes it's like everyone. Who knows? They're just going to pop up. I don't know. Yeah. And I think it's that, um, like, we don't even really talk about this stuff. Like, we might talk about sex quite openly, but there are parts of it that we don't ever discuss. And so if you're having these thoughts and you're like, I don't know if I should be having these thoughts, that's going to make you feel really uncomfortable. But then you realise that, actually, when you ask some people who are willing to answer the questions, everyone's experiencing it. Yeah, to be fair, it was never a question. I think it's one of those things that maybe happened to me, but I didn't really think about it. Yeah. Like, because I thought, oh, if I start to think about that, it's going to lead me down a rabbit hole, I don't know. Because I would hate to think about the person I was seeing thinking about other people. Yeah. Like, that's a horrible thought, isn't it? It is. But at least we all do it, Absolutely. you know? Um, so, that kind of leads on again to, like, you said, like, people don't discuss these things openly. Yeah. Why do you think there's such a stigma about mental health? Like, do you think it's because we're not aware of it yet? Like, we don't know? Like, or like, we, and like, people don't, like, I said, like, have a hand up when you came home and said it. Like, I was like, what? She must be fine. Like, she's being ridiculous. But again, we don't talk about feelings in our family. So, for you then to come home and be like, I feel like this way and I've got to go talk to someone else, it was like, huh? Like, we don't even talk to each other. Like, why don't you talk to someone else? But also, like, now, like, obviously, you've been through it, I've been through it, and we've both, you know, like, we talk about it, and actually, it's your job now. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've obviously both been, and come back, and been back. She likes boomerang. I now understand it a lot more. So why, do you think it's just because people don't understand it, or? Yeah, I think there's there's part of that is that people don't understand it, particularly if, if you've never experienced anxiety or depression it is a completely alien concept Um, and also I think there is just a general I I don't know whether it's it's generational or what of of being quite fearful of our emotions like when people talk about emotions it's generally 
you know, if you talk about anxiety, people talk about being crazy or losing control. And, and therefore, it's almost like we're quite fearful of even talking about it, I think, when actually most of these emotions that people experience in mental health are normal emotions that have just got extreme. And yeah. actually, you know, we all experience anxiety, whether we've got an anxiety disorder or not, or we all have days where we're low. But it's almost that, that fear of, of being that open about it, it and acknowledging that yeah. we all have it. You're also like, you know, like boys have grown up, well, well, used to be, like brought up to like, be not allowed to cry. Yeah. And then obviously that, so do you think it's worse with men as well? Because they, it's, I don't know if it's different now with how kids are brought up. I don't necessarily think it is. It yeah. should be, but it's not. Boys are told like, boys don't cry, pick yourself up, make them fall over, you'll be fine. Yeah. Whereas actually they should be allowed to cry. And I think even, and I guess because we grew up in a family where we don't show our emotions, I am not a crier. Like, I don't, don't get me wrong, I cry at Love Island. But I wouldn't cry at anything, like, important in life. And then, like, when I do have those days, you know those days where you just, you just have to cry all day? And yeah. Like, what is wrong with me? Like, I remember I was doing one of Tammy's yoga classes in lockdown. And I was having, I don't know what happened. I was having a shit day. And I literally just sat on the mat and cried. Like, just sat there and sobbed. Obviously, it wasn't like a, you know, obviously it was, it was, no one had seen me cry. It was fine. But, like, you kind of, like, like you said, like, you shut it off, don't you? Yeah. And do you think that's just the way that society is? And do you think it's changing or not? Yeah, I think there's a lot of movement to try and change it. I think that that generally is the feeling of just, let's just not talk about it. It's almost like if we don't talk about it, hopefully it will go away. Yeah. Um, but I think there is quite a shift of people starting to be more open. And I think this is one of maybe the positive things that does come from social media is there are people who are talking about their experience um, and that it's okay to feel things and it's okay to have a bad day and, and to feel this way. Yeah, I was going to ask you about social media so, but so I think I think it's a bit of a hard one on social media because it's kind of almost like the reverse dieting plan. So you know you have all these fitness people on Instagram who take two pictures. They take the picture where they've got rolls and they squeeze their fat, yeah. which isn't really fat because they've got about 10%. And then they take the, oh, well, I'm a bikini person yeah. shot. Part of me also feels that. So that they're, I get that they're trying to make a point, but you're not the person with the issue. Like If you were walking down the street, no one would look at your fat rolls. Yeah. So the people that are worried about having fat rolls are not your target. Do you see what I mean? So yeah. it's kind of... I understand why they're doing it. They're trying to show that everyone's bodies don't always look perfect. Yeah. But at the same time, you you do have a perfect body. Like, you are very slim. And you only look like that because you're bent in half. Yeah. So part of me feels like with mental health, obviously there are some people out there who do an amazing job on social media and, like, do, like, are very open and honest all mm. the time. But then other times I feel like people are almost, almost trying to highlight it for social media yeah. like oh look at me I'm being open and honest with my feelings on social media to try and be like woke and do you know what I mean like yeah. I feel like some people go who's like it's almost like they're squeezing a fat yeah like oh I've had a bad day today and yeah okay great I think people should I mean I don't put it on my social media if I have a bad day but like yeah like people should and I do agree like there are some really good people out there so do you feel like there's that whole like people are doing it just for like to be like yeah, I think so. I think, I guess, with any trend that comes up on social media, that's what happens is people just Jump on it. Yeah, share it because it looks good. 
Um, yeah, like, oh, look at me, I'm, I'm an influencer, but I do have bad days as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, I guess, it's, it's getting that balance. I think sometimes you can, you can tell as well when it's very genuine that people are sharing something. Yeah. Because it's got that meaning behind it. Whether it's just sharing it because they want Instagram. more love. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so for you personally, because we're two fellows, we have like Instagram sabbaticals, don't we? Do yeah. So you, what is it that you struggle with in terms of social media? Is it like what, like what is the element of it that you struggle with? Um, I think partly is it is the comparison. Um, I mentioned before, I tend to set ridiculously high standards for myself. So then I go on and I look and I think, oh. I'm not doing all of this and, and so I had a, a sabbatical during lockdown because I teach yoga and I'm not in a position to really expand my business online and I saw everybody else doing it and I just thought oh I'm failing and I'm not doing anything so then I just thought just just come off it you d- I don't actually need to see this like it's not enhancing my life um, but then I also quite enjoy parts of it as well so then I then I come back yeah, so you were talking about how like you set these standards and you were not in a position, so mm-hmm. just come off it completely. Yeah. So also that's kind of like the whole like perfectionist thing. So yeah. Like if you don't, I think in nowadays there's a, a very big trend is if if you're not going to do something a hundred percent perfectly, don't bother. Don't, yeah. And do you think that you do that with Instagram? Like you don't just take it for what it is. Oh, let's go on, scroll through someone's Instagram. Yeah. Because like I have struggle with it in certain points but I think I'm getting better at thinking it's not going to be overnight what I want to achieve yeah and also like because it's also like you also worry about like oh people are going to judge me for putting this on there I'm not like when you do like you went tried to do like stories where you're talking to the camera and things weren't you yeah and I can't do those because I'd be like one I'd be analysing my whole face and also I'd be like oh people are going to judge me for doing it yeah so I think does that as well, like, is that one of the things, is it, you worry about what people will say about you? Yeah, and I think as well, when you're trying to really step out of your comfort zone of what you've done previously, like, I'm not a particularly out there person, to then all of a sudden be like, I'm going to do this online business, and I'm going to be on Instagram all the time, and sharing things, um, it's quite intimidating, in a way, and then you yeah. do end up, and, and I think it's very easy to get sucked into like there's that part isn't it like you were saying of, of just wanting to take it for what it is and just put out what I want to put out and just let it be there but then you see like all the likes and the follows it's very easy to get sucked in yeah and like it. so a lot of people my Instagram actually hasn't updated but I'm not surprised because it took me about 18 months to get IGTV I got a new phone I updated everything I still did not get IGTV for 18 months after everyone else I still don't have music I do not on stories no so, like there's so many I don't understand how this yeah. happened but, so, Australia was, like, the first country to do it where they took away the likes. Yeah. But you could still see how many likes you got. Mm-hmm. Which, I think, is all right. But, like, obviously, then no one else can judge you type thing. Yeah. But a few people back home have started to... Because that happened when I was oh. in Bali last year. Everyone with the Australians lost their likes. And I still had mine. And I was like, oh, ours must be coming. And then, like, my housemate in the final year, she, didn't, she lost her likes. And I've still got mine. And I'd quite like to not have them. Because like you say, it's like this whole, you compare, it's comparison, isn't yeah. it? So, I know people that post a picture, right? And it'll be a really like, because actually, so was, I was at a party once and the guy I didn't have social media I was talking to, the guy I went climbing with, and he was like, oh, let's have a look at your Instagram because you didn't have social media. And I was like, let me see. And he's like, which photo are you most proud of? And 
I showed him my picture in my pink suit, my favourite outfit, and he went, how did that only get that many likes? That's a great picture. And I was like, I know, mm. right? But then you look at someone else's picture who they might have literally just taken, like, I don't know, it might be a really boring picture of, like, a field or, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. Something dull, in my opinion, so not to offend any field lovers. Um, and they've got, like, hundreds and hundreds of likes, and you're like, what's wrong with my face? Why do you not want to like that? Yeah. And I feel like you, you do, like, so I think if there was no likes on it, you would, there's less comparison, because you can't, you can't, there's no measurables. Yeah. So you might be like, you could just kid yourself and be like, yeah, I got the same amount of likes as Kylie Jenner. Doesn't matter. <laughs> you could live in a little fake bubble, couldn't you? You could. And I guess then you can then really think about, what do you want? from it like what do you want to put on your social media because then it doesn't matter yeah just put on pictures that because yeah I guess as well people put on pictures that they think people will want to like yeah and not just photos like I've realised on mine if I put a picture on with someone else I get no likes if I put a picture on with myself I get way more it's weird mm, right weird. yeah so it's almost like because I said on the podcast that coming uh the social media one about how i would now not put people on my social media yeah and just because it's like about me and it's obviously like people connect more with you so like you were saying so actually people connect more with who i am as a person yeah they like them once more but we also so and they're the ones i just put up without thinking about right but in our heads we're going we need to put on this because people want to see this part of my life and actually they don't they just want to see your life like if they follow yeah. you it's because they either know you or they just like what you put out yeah but then we like kid ourselves don't we and we're like oh but we have to make it better yeah do you think that's what you do as well yeah i think so then it goes into this like analyzing the ones that do well and thinking i've got to replicate this and and all of that and just and i think oh it's too much and people if people wanted you to be follow that person the person that you're thinking i need to replicate yeah they just follow them yeah like they're not gonna follow two accounts the same are they no I feel like I see that quite a lot like obviously like James and Dylan like for example are like probably the two biggest people on Instagram now in fitness and you see all these like coaches coming up and they're literally doing the same things that James and Dylan do yeah and I'm like that's great obviously like James and Dylan put out a really good message but I don't need to follow you because I follow them and your content is basically their content but like toyed with do you know what I mean? Because yeah. obviously they're like experts in it now and they've gone through this whole like awkward, we don't really know what we're doing stage and are now like at the expert stage. Yeah. So I guess that like, yeah, like you kind of have to just be you and then the world will yeah. take it. Like the people who want to follow you will yeah. find you. They'll find you, yeah. yeah. Your authentic and truly self. Yeah, absolutely. Which, and obviously if everyone thought like that, you'd then realise that people like you for you and your mental health would probably... Social media probably would have such a negative impact. Yeah. But again, because no one talks about it, no one realises that we all get ourselves in this little wormhole. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? Absolutely. I guess it's that courage, isn't it, of just sticking with your thing and just riding it out. It is, and it's like you you expect to do a certain thing. So like at the moment, obviously I've just graduated and like a few of my friends have now got grad jobs and I'm sat here going oh god have I made the right decision am I doing yeah. the right thing so like even off social media you're like people are going to judge me for not going and getting a grad job when actually what I'm doing is also exciting but it's the 
you need to encourage yourself and actually have that belief. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yes, I feel like everyone sort of it's almost like know yourself and actually make time for yourself and like I guess that's why people journal, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. Getting yeah, getting a really good understanding of what you want, who you are, and yeah. sticking with it. Sticking with it. I think that's a lovely place to stop and end the podcast. So thank you for being my guest. My Thanks for having guest. me. That's all right. Hopefully Mel won't uh, disown me for cheating on her. And so thank you guys for listening. If you could obviously like, share and subscribe. Thanks.